the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Every hour on Cofield and Company is football hour, but uh, 4 o'clock we carve out some extra time, make sure we get football in, and the football frenzy is here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios, hour number two with Cofield and Adam Hill. I saw that the Raiders pointed out and Devontae Adams pointed out the fact that uh, he was a big Raiders fan as a kid, and you'd often see him walking around with Raiders jerseys on. I've seen a couple of pictures, old pictures of him with Tim Brown's jersey on. Yeah. It's pretty cool. In his third-grade yearbook photo, he was wearing a Charles Woodson jersey. Uh, and then that yearbook quote, he said he wanted to be in the NFL or the NBA. Turns out he was in the NFL, but uh, just kind of showing back to where he was indeed a Raiders fan. I have done some digging social media wise. Not everyone in his family has always been a Raiders fan. Is that right? His wife, definitely a Niners fan. She Bay Area too or not? Oh, yeah. Okay. And they met at Fresno okay. and, uh, a lot of photos of her growing up with Niners gear, and well, I she... believe a photo of her trying out for the Niners dance team. Really? Yes. Will she wear one of those split Raiders Niners jerseys? No, I think she's all in with the you Raiders. You saw the uh, Derek Thomas, the parent of uh, the Thomas ladies at Arizona and UNLV had on a split. There's a bunch of those Arizona UNLV yeah. jersey on. Sure. Yeah. I don't think she's going to do that. I think she's all in on the Raiders. That's who's paying the bills now. I think she'll stick with that. And she converted to a Packers fan as well. So. I think she's going to come over to the Raiders. If we got a picture of Ari, would he ever have sports garb on? As a kid? Yeah. No chance. I don't think he watched any sports as a no. kid. I, he doesn't now. As a Philly fan who didn't grow up near Philly. Yeah. How'd you say he doesn't watch sports he doesn't now? He doesn't watch sports now. <laughs> He's gotten better the last three years with us. What's the He's last? pretty aware of sports. What's the last sporting event Ari sat down and watched start to finish? Well, who does? I, I, I don't even know that asking. I've watched. I don't even know that I've watched a, a this game weekend. start to finish. I had this week. I did this weekend. You watch one ba- college basketball game? What do you thought? Or, or at a game? No, it's the tournament games. That's, a good, them, that's huh? a good point. You should also mention. Well, for Ari, it's different. Hold on, Ari. For for Ari, it's different. For us, I'm, obviously, I'm wrong on, you know, I watch games from beginning to end when I'm working them in a match sure. arena. I watch from beginning to end. TV is a little bit different. Ari, when is the last time you watched any sporting event beginning to end on TV? There you go. Super Bowl. <laughs> You did not watch Technic- the Super Bowl. Not, though, not beginning to end. You're right. <laughs> Who does that? But yeah, you guys. That. Yeah, I watched that. I did. I watched I at there. least a half an hour before all the way through the very end. Yeah. And got annoyed when the sound went off for the uh, post game. Just, just for a little tiny bit of redemption, I've been to a, a two NBA games. Uh, <laughs> and that's about it. Year. Harlem Globetrotters game a while back. I don't think I've actually been to an NFL game, which that'll change very soon. I plan on it, and then COVID happens, so. Did he just mention the Harlem Globetrotters? I did. I don't know what's going on. I did. I saw a Globetrotters. As a sport, you watched start to finish? Yeah. I went there. Okay. I was physically there. It is weird that we have all of our producers are dying to go to games and go to watch games. And I won't say do nothing but watch the game, but maybe that's the case. And Ari never goes. No. There's no interest. Please don't group me in with all these people and all these perceptions you have. No, I'm just saying at the base level, you never go to games. Yeah, there's a deeper meaning to what you're getting at here, but yeah. No, no, strip strip away that they go and don't do anything, which is not, that's not accurate. A lot of them go and do work and grab sound and stuff and tweet. Maybe that should be something new for 2022. Right. Go go to games. 
Well, personally, I'm, I'm being honest here. You know how I feel about COVID and stuff. So after working VGK games for two, three years, it would have been awesome to go into one live just as a spectator. I didn't get that opportunity. I chose not to go do that. Um, and the Raiders that's is not as... The, Raiders, don't sit, the, the people don't I'm talking about don't sit in the stands. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I've been to a million VGK games, if that's the case, and watched them okay. all. I'm saying, like, as a spectator, no work, just go there and enjoy as a fan of sports, which is yeah. what you're making fun of me for my lack of fandom. So Raiders one day, to, that's a little more of a challenge. I forgot, you also I've, worked UNLV football games, too. But I've been to nearly every VG, VGK home game ever, and I don't think I've ever seen Ari there. I've been right. to quite a few Run and Rebels games before I had this job, for the record. Well, Ari was working the pre, the post, and the the breaks no, with I'm saying, Ryan, the hockey guy, so it wasn't like you. And he was probably on the other side of the arena. Okay. Yeah, he's there. He was there for a long time. He, believe me, it, I, I can see the sadness in his face having to work this show instead. <laughs> he wishes he was back working the hockey games. Real True. sports fan here. See that? <laughs> so where I was going with that is if uh, someone got a picture of you as a little kid, whatever, third grade, do you have any idea what jersey you would have been wearing? Uh, more jerseys in high school, for sure. Um, like, who were your favorite players when you were eight, nine, ten? Oh, by the way, I'm, this is one of those cases when you get old. I used to hate this when I was a kid, right? Adult walks up to you and they're like, "What are you, twelve? And you're like, "I'm nine. Or opposite, you're like, "What are you, nine? I'm twelve." If you don't have kids, you have no like. How old? Are, I don't even know how old third graders are. Is that eight, nine, ten? Is yeah, that what it is? Eight or nine? Eight, nine, six, four. Sure. What is it? No idea. I think it's like eight, eight, or, eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was a. I mean, a big Cecil was my guy. Cecil uh, Fielder. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also I've told I've told the story randomly. Became a big Giants fan because we would spend the summers in the Bay Area with my uncle, and he would take us to the games. San Fran. Yeah. And sit in the front row. Yep. And. Uh, Will Clark was. Oh, that's right. You, you told that. And, and then, then, then you met him. Found out he was just <laughs> a raging jerk. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Which I had the life size cardboard cutout of Will Clark in my room. That's funny that your baseball player was a Cecil and my early baseball player was a Cecil. Who's that? Cecil Cooper. I think it's the, the Cecil. I got all mad one year when he finished on 99 RBI. I was like, damn it! <laughs> That's what you get mad about as a kid. Of course. Like in fourth did. grade. He didn't get 100 ribbies. I have. He was I've stuck some, on 99 for seven games at the end of the year. I have some super random ones too. Like, because we were living in DC and I fell in love with Michael Adams' jump shot, which was like the double pump, long range. That's bomb. a horrendous jump shot to fall in love with. I loved it. And I would try to do it all the time. And by the way, it was Cecil Cooper on the Brewers, which really was a violation of Yankee fandom, sure. not Cecil Cooper on the Red Sox. Oh, boy. Okay. My, my, Just, I should have been to clarify. beat up. By my parents. My mother would have beat me up on that one. So I had a lot of random. I mean, obviously, everybody that was on the Bills. But then, you know, the, the Fielder, Clark, Michael Adams, those were the combo. And then by by high school time, it was all Glenn Robinson all the time. Yes. yes. War 13, <laughs> went by Big Dog, all those things. I don't actually think I had jerseys and sure and jerseys. The jerseys thing came along in my teens, and now I still have them. I just found an Alfonso Soriano jersey. I was going through some old clothes, and I'm like, this small will fit someday. I never wore small, but like this large will fit when I lose 100 pounds. That'll so happen. Sophomore year of high school, I wore a jersey every single day to school. It was a bet that I made. Oh, wow. And then we had to wear um, like suits for game day. Right. And I wore it underneath because I had made the bet that I would, I would wear a jersey every day. Nerd. And first, first game, I had the suit, and they were like, oh, you lose, you lose. And I was like, nope. 
pull it open at the jersey. Off. Happy moments, Adam Hill childhood. We just brought him to <laughs> sure. to the surface. Sure, didn't think that happened. Uh, do I close on a bad note? Um, you can. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my favorite college basketball player when I was in high school was, was Len Bias. Len Bias. Yeah, do you remember, remember me saying that? I do. I, know I that. still have Len Bias VCR tapes because I don't throw anything out. And if people don't know who Len Bias is, he passed away. So he did late June of 1986. So that was fun. Wow! Real life, you got to deal with it. Yeah, things I mean, happen. I, I you, lived find, in... you find out that athletes do drugs, and in the case of Len Bias, you know, coke was gigantic in the 80s, and he screwed up. Yeah, we. You know, I just said I lived in D.C. I lived right there. I was, I was, I was in the neighborhood basically um, of, of College Park when that happened. Awful. Awful. See what happens to football frenzy. It turns into basketball players passing away. It's not good. Uh, more on Tyreek Hill. More on Devontae Adams. We want to talk to a uh, former quarterback and Caleb Herring on how quarterbacks uh, manage getting new receivers, losing receivers. Now, you know, who gets the uh, the ball for the Raiders, spreading the wealth? Who's going to have to step up for Patrick Mahomes? What happens without Tyreek Hill? All good questions for the former quarterback, Caleb Herring. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Raider Nation, I'm here. It's real. Obviously, I'm excited. I know the team is excited, but to see the, the community and, you know, the rest of the world. I was out golfing yesterday, and there's some Raider fans on the course, and they're just losing it, like different than if it was two weeks ago. I don't know. They see me, you know, for the Packers, and they're excited, but being back home and, you know, a lot of people in Cali are obviously Raider fans as well, so it's, it's real. So I'm excited. I'm ready to get to work, and, and we're going to do this thing. Devontae Adams, press conference yesterday. He is officially a Las Vegas Raider. Big news today. Another wide receiver is out of the division. We'll get to the Tyreek Hill trade, move from the to the Dolphins. Caleb Herring played quarterback, so he uh, he knows a lot about the wide receiver position. Caleb, it's been a crazy couple of days with wide receiver movement. Uh, let's start with Tyreek Hill. Are you surprised that the Chiefs moved quickly on this one. Took about five days, and they were like, "All right, we gotta, we gotta get out of this." He wants a lot of money. Let's move him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. I, I think um, that what the Chiefs had with Tyreek Hill was a dangerous element that I, I don't think comes around even once every two generations with Tyreek Hill. I mean, the the speed that he brings to the offensive scheme and and the big play capability and the threat of him on the field it has been ridiculous for the last few seasons. So. Um, for them to disrupt that chemistry, more importantly with quarterback and receiver, Tyreek Hill, a lot of his his big plays are on scramble drills. That 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 connection with he, he and Mahomes is something that I think was very valuable. So it was interesting that they moved on so quickly. But then again, the asking price. And I think the Raiders kind of probably set this domino effect off by giving so much money to Devontae Adams because that kind of moved the market for receivers. And, and then because Tyreek Hill saw that, he's like, hey, I'm – I'm comparable at least to that. I could get that much money as well. Why not? I mean, I got my ring. Um, you know, I have nothing to prove to anybody. Let, let's go chase after the money this time. Um, and maybe that influenced Tyreek Hill's decision or his desire to want more money. And the Chiefs um, just weren't a unable to to match that, that I guess, request for him. So then he moves on. And and the division is thankful for it, right? The DBs in the AFC are, are, are absolutely thankful for the fact that Tyreek Hill will no longer torment them two times uh, a season. So... 
Um, it's interesting. It's crazy how that how this offseason really as a whole has been going. But those two big moves at receiver with Devontae Adams and then Tyreek Hill shortly after definitely changed the landscape of the NFL in a big way. Every situation is obviously unique. And I think the Raiders, you know, they needed to pay that much money if they wanted to get a guy like Devontae Adams. Uh, so that deal might make sense. And the, the Chiefs could look at it and say, well, you know, with what we pay, Mahomes and some other guys we can't afford to pay that same amount of price for a wide receiver and so the, the situations are unique but on the surface would you say that the the Raiders were worse for paying that much to Devontae Adams or the Chiefs were worse for not being willing to pay it to Tyreek Hill well I think I, I would say the Raiders considering what they have left to do I think the offensive line is still a big question. Secondary on defense is still a big question. The, the team that they have to still construct around that pretty solid skill set offensively, um, I think it's – I'd say the Raiders probably have more work to do left. And for that reason, I say the Chiefs, with the potential of the draft um, and with the picks that they were to get, the ability to trade up potentially to get one of these top receivers, the Alave or the Wilson um, from Ohio State, to kind of not completely replace Tyreek Hill, but to – um, add that same kind of element to keep their offense complete. I mean, they, they picked up Juju as well during the offseason free agency. Who knows what he's got to bring to the table? He's he's a quality wide receiver. He's not Tyreek Hill, but that's not what I'm saying. Josh Gordon, the expectation or the hope that he comes through. Um, Travis Kelsey also being there. Nicole Hartman. They've still got some talent on the edges in, in Kansas City. So it's not full-out panic mode. And, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes can make magic with those pieces. So I, it's not full-out panic mode. Um, there with Kansas City. So I'd say I understand them keeping the 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 money available to go do what they need to do elsewhere um, in their situation. I think the Raiders, um, they still have a lot of work to do, and it, it's yet to be determined how they're going to figure out um, how to get that offensive line together, especially with the defensive line that they're going to have to face in conference, in division, um, with the Chargers coming at them again. So, I, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks around the Raiders roster. I understand it, like you said, going and spending the money to get a quality guy. This I think this is the most complete skill set position um, lineup that the Raiders have had in, in 10 years maybe I'd, and I'd go back to probably when Amari Cooper was there and and that probably being the closest but I, I think the Raiders had to do what they had to do to get that big name and we'll see if it can produce the the fruits that they want come season in the fall but I'd say the Raiders probably had the more work out after the trades or after the the pickup of Devontae Adams the you know the standard thinking the you know traditional thinking around the league is that not only running backs who fall off a cliff after 30, but wide receivers tend to have significant downgrades after the age of 30. Uh, Devontae Adams will be 30 at the end of the season in December. Any concern in that regard for him? Or as I've heard people say, he's a different type of player. 30 is not going to affect him as much. Uh, I don't know what that means, but what are your thoughts on, on just the 30 plateau? Yeah, I mean, it's I, there's always the worry with receivers because the value of a receiver – historically hasn't really been there as far as spending that much money on a receiver you don't really see them impact the game as much they're, they're very dependent anyway and that's even in their prime um then you get over that 30 hump the the physical attributes start to fade a little bit and that's i'm experiencing that now you know that 30 <laughs> hump right the physicality that the physical stuff starts to fade but i think watching Devonte adams that's not going to be as big a factor with him because a lot of what he has is savvy it's like route running savvy a feel for the defense um, uh, it's, it's very technically sound route running. So I think the drop off isn't going to be as hard for him in the over 30 hump, if that makes sense. And there's guys that have been that way too, as well as like, I, I think about immediately Fitzgerald after, 
after uh, he turned 30. It was like he's still the same kind of receiver, big body guy, runs crisp routes, and is able to, to manipulate the defense with his savvy. Um, so that, that I don't think for Devontae Adams and the way he plays the position, it's going to be as big of an issue going forward with his age. Um, but for a guy like Tyreek Hill, um, if he loses a step, he's no longer the same threat, right? He's no longer the same explosive uh, type player. His, he hasn't he doesn't have the same kind of technical route running skills that you would look for in a guy post 30. Right. So I don't think that's as big a problem with Devontae. And also, I think with the chemistry that you get with he and uh, Derek Carr um, and where he can fit in an offense with all the other weapons around them, there's going to be a lot more space for him to operate in. Than there was, let's say, in Green Bay, even where he was facing the bulk of road coverages and things like that. You're not going to be able to do that to him uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's just the nature of the roster. So over 30, I don't think is going to matter as much with Devontae Adams. Would you uh, we talk about where Tyreek Hill leaves in Kansas City? He is going to Miami. So I want to get your thoughts on where Miami is right now. Obviously, Tua back. He has not been uh, setting the world on fire like everybody expected when he was a freshman in college that he would do eventually in the NFL. Uh, but the offensive line has been atrocious. They have rebuilt that a little bit, especially on the left side, really invested heavily on the left side of the offensive line, um, which would be what his front side. Uh, it's a little yeah, different than side. most. It's a little different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different than most. Uh, but the left side is reconstructed. They did draft Austin Jackson last year in the first round. We'll see if he can move to the right side maybe uh, and play over there. He did not work out well on the left side. Doesn't think doesn't look like this staff thinks he can play over there. Uh, but you, you got the receivers. You got Tyreek Hill, obviously Jalen Waddle back, a ton of weapons. They add running backs uh, who are incredibly talented and fit this system as well. They've done everything possible to rebuild this offense. Can Tua succeed in this offense? I, I think it's make or break for Tua in this offense, right? With with those kind of weapons on the edge, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle um, coming back and Parker as well, um, and then also going and getting Wilson from from the Cowboys picking him up. Um, I think there's weapons on the edges for him to at least show us that he can be that down the field explosive play getter that he was in college, and temptations at least sort of start moving in that direction. Um, so I think it is make or break for Tua, and the, the excuses I think starting to dwindle down i mean the offensive line is still going to be a problem like you said but they went out and got some some tools for them and they showed that they're willing to invest in their passing game by going out and going for, going for tyree kill and giving up a, a lot of picks to do it as well so we'll see I, I think it is make or break for for tua at this point in his career um at least to be the guy to be the guy that we think he should be or thought he should be coming out of college now the thing that's unfortunate about this season that um i think it is gonna gonna play a big role in the success of the Dolphins overall is they, they're transitioning as well. Mike McDaniel now taking over as a head coach. I know, you know, the, that the, the Flores situation is we're trying to move past that, but a coaching transition is what it is. And it's going to be tough to see how much Tua, after growing accustomed to one system, to one set of, of communication now can transition in this crucial year to not only pick up chemistry with Tyreek Hill, but with a coach, a brand new head coach. So, um, a lot, a lot still to be determined by Miami for Miami, but I think a big move for them that really puts their offense, especially in that division, uh, among the top of the crop there to to see what Tua can do with it. So, uh, along those lines of being in a new system, I I don't know how many people heard the Mike McDaniel interview um, with Pat McAfee when he was in Indianapolis at the combine. It's worth listening to for many many reasons. We've joked about it a little bit off the air, uh, but if you kind of read into what McDaniel was saying. It seemed like what what he was saying is 
that Tua was treated a certain way of like, don't screw up. You're messing this up. Don't like, and it was treated in a certain manner of, you know, kind of attacking him more than supporting him. And that he believes, Mike McDaniel believes that he can step in and kind of go positive reinforcement onto it and it'll be helpful. Like, how much does that matter in a quarterback's development? I think it matters a lot. I think a quarterback needs to be confident that the team believes in him in order to go out there and play. It's a tough position to play. Um, and a lot of times, as as much of a team sport as it is, we've seen that the weight of the world comes down to the quarterback. And if you don't have good quarterback play, it's going to be tough to overcome that. And, you know, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, have publicly had to experience the same thing. Baker Mayfield's gone through. Carson Wentz. It's a it's a, a universal truth for quarterbacks that while your play should is overvalued at times by people, by people in the media and, and outsiders looking in, there is a, a very significant importance to who you are and how you produce as the quarterback. The team goes with you. Um, and if you're not confident in the decisions that you're making, if you're not um, giving off that that positive energy while you're on the field, if the guys in the huddle don't believe that you're the guy, that definitely can can play a part in your performance. So it's it is important. I don't I don't, I wouldn't go as far as say, hey, let's coddle the guy and make sure that he's as comfortable as possible with everything's going on. There's some work that two has got to do too. You, you can't you know blame the environment for all of it. And I think you know with with McDaniel's that that may be kind of some blaming the old regime and as if you're the new guy that's going to change everything that makes Tua great. No, there's some there's some development for Tua too there. Um, so it's a balance. But I do agree that there is uh, an absolute um, importance on the confidence of a quarterback as the leader, as the guy for the team, in order for him to, to really tap into his potential. Caleb Herring's with us, the former UNLV quarterback. So much Tua talk. Is this going to matter at all in four days when Jimmy Garoppolo is traded to the Dolphins? <laughs> I, you know, that it's it's interesting because <laughs> there's two quarterbacks that I, I want to see what happens with and Baker Mayfield's one of them. Uh, we'll see. Um, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo sitting over there in San Francisco is is very interesting. Does, does San Francisco end up stuck with Jimmy as the number two for a season, or does he get dealt, like you said, to Miami? I, it, it's a very real possibility that the Niners deal him. I don't know because – I don't know how confident, I don't know if it's rumor or if it's true, how confident they are in Trey Lance in, in San Fran. I think there may be some some feel-it-out period still there with him. Um, but if they feel like they can win now with Trey Lance, I, it's very realistic that we see you know Jimmy Garoppolo in a Dolphins uniform next year, and that's one potential landing spot. Um, but we'll see. I, I, that would be interesting um, with the weapons that he has around him. We've seen that Jimmy Garoppolo can win with the weapons around him. He hasn't been able to win the big one, well, with the weapons around him, but he can get the Dolphins, especially in that division, in that conference, I think a lot easier than the NFC West was, I think, to get him to the playoffs and, and make another run at it from that division. I mean, you still got to go through the Bills, um, but going from that division, I think will be a little bit of the same thing for Jimmy Garoppolo as far as the tools he has around him and kind of limiting his mistakes. And he's shown that he can throw the ball down the field, I think, more than Tua can. It's very real that the Dolphins say, hey, or the Dolphins even pursue it and the Niners deal him to, to Miami. We'll see how that goes. Or, hey, let's not count out Baker Mayfield, right? Some, some teams got to be interested eventually. Is he is he a number two quarterback? Does he land in Miami? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think he starts this year. So I think wherever he goes, he might challenge for a job, but I don't think he's a guaranteed starter anywhere. And, that, and that's, I think, going to hurt his ego more than anything. And a guy that came – and we're talking about Baker Mayfield, the guy that came into the league with those kind of uh, franchise-changing expectations to so quickly find yourself 
in a position where you're going to be a backup. I, the shot to your pride that that has to get, you know, the commercial guy, you know, he's, he's all over the place as the face of the Cleveland Browns. So does this take a, a hit to his ego? Is he going to be willing to, as we've seen in the past, a lot of quarterbacks are not willing to be considered a backup. They have expectations to be starters. And with what we've seen from Baker Mayfield, all indicators say he's not ready to swallow his pride and become a backup, much like guys like Marcus Mariota became a backup for a stint and now finds himself in a position to be a starter again. I don't know if that's Baker Mayfield's path. I don't know if he's the guy with that demeanor, with the with the humble pill to, to be able to do that. And it may cost him a spot in the NFL. And that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of it. Caleb, good spot, man. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you later. There he is. Former UNLV quarterback, voice of the Rebels, along with Russ Langer on the radio broadcast, Caleb Herring. You think Baker's starting somewhere? Seattle? Carolina? Detroit? Where else? Detroit kind of makes sense. What Cleveland's going to pay all of his contract, and you're going to bring him in on, you know, pennies to compete with Jared Goff. Jared Goff going to get cut. What's the cap hit on that one? Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, 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 if he was more mature, and like Caleb said, if you knew he was going to accept a competition and not be on Twitter and Instagram pissing and moaning all the time, I would bring him into Seattle. I'd roll the dice on him, have a competition with him and Drew Locke, but I, I, I don't think you can trust him. Well, what, and what's the what's the goal in Seattle? They're not trying to win. Why is Pete Carroll there for the rebuild when he's seventy-eight? I don't know. When it finally arrives, I mean, you—they have shown nothing that shows they have any plan of winning anytime soon. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. I'm the reason the whole world love it. Now I gotta crush it. Vallejo fishes. Then you should be disgusted. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it? A half slice of cheese. What do you think? Push a tea. We hit on this yesterday, but I wanted to play uh, Push a Tea's this. Turn it up. Push a tea going after. Alright, we're all good. Thank you. Push a tea. Back in Arby's. They're all over it on social media. Funny stuff. I mean, it's fine. It's just it's cheap so sellout stuff. It's so yeah, and, and it's like I, I don't hate it. I'm not gonna get like mad. I know people get mad at stuff like that. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna get mad about it. It's 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 cheap. You know, silly. Just let it be what it is. And it, I, I mean, I wouldn't say ignore it. It's it's fun, I guess. But I'm not gonna get all all into it. The diss the diss track. Tyreek Hill traded. You think the Chiefs were talking to Pat Mahomes this last week, telling him, "Hey, you know this is this is likely." Well, I mean, it seems like Tyree Kill said his goodbye like twelve days ago on Twitter, and we just ignored it, which is very interesting. Would you loop in Mahomes, considering who he's got around him and their irresponsibility when it comes to social media? Like, if you're if you're Good Patrick question. Mahomes and you're told last week about about Tyree Kill maybe going bye-bye you can't tell your wife yeah probably not but like i said tyree kill tweeted it, like okay, it was well, but no one but, 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 it. but no one jumped on it because like i didn't see you send it over i saw no one yeah. talk about this no, no, we're no. gonna have saran petra on from whb in kansas city maybe they were talking about it and the rest of the country just missed it but i think everyone missed it if if you were keeping it on the down low like 
the Chiefs, do you make sure that your $50 million quarterback, $45 million quarterback is looped in? And then if you're told, if you're Patrick Mahomes, can you tell anyone around you? No, I think I think I you. Mean, I wouldn't. I think you talk to him and you say, "Look, man, like we're going to keep you informed on this stuff because we we want you to be informed on this stuff. We want you to know what's going on. We want you to be aware. But you also have to understand if this is to leak out through your, you know, your brother's TikTok or through your wife's social media. Well, first of all, he's he's been on a honeymoon for like two weeks, so he probably I guess he wasn't having those conversations most likely. Um. But if we do tell you and it leaks out through there, like we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah. Like we're not going to be able to keep you informed on these right. things. And nothing against you. We love you. But, you know, we can't afford yeah. to have these things leak out. Although, yeah. although, did it matter? I mean, Tyree Kill wanted to trade. He was able to go seek out his trade partners and he decided where he was going to go. Yeah, everyone actually kept it quiet. Yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. Uh, man, I wonder what the Mahomes household was like today. A lot of stress. Mahomes looking around like, I doubt it. Who Juju and who? What? I gotta now. I gotta make Corey Coleman good. You know what, Brittany? Not not right now. I I can't. I can't, stop, please. Because I can tell you, in the Cofield household, it was a it was a glorious morning. That the Jets got rejected. Not that part. Uh, first of all, the SO is up earlier than I am. Okay. So, like, I wake up walk downstairs and immediately she's like right into the football news. I'm, I'm not crapping you. She is like, she is like alert person in the morning with the football news. And she's like, what's, what's going on here? I'm reading Tyreek Hills getting traded to the jets or dolphins. And I'm like, ah, I told you about those blogs and that stupid stuff. You got to look at the sources. Like I don't just do this on the air. I do this at home because, because uh, I was like, eh, it's, and she's like, no, it's real people. And I look it up. Okay. I'm like, okay, Schefter and Rappaport. And this is before the trade goes down. All right, they've got it. And I swear, like once once uh Tyree Kill was in, once it was announced he got traded, she like started going down this whole rabbit hole about like how lopsided the AFC and NFC are. Then she's like, then she's looking stuff up. I'm in the other room. She's like, you know, uh like 85 to 97, the the NFC really dominated in terms of the balance of power. I'm like, what is going on here? She already liked the NFL, but the fact that the Chargers, and she's a Chargers fan, they're they're relevant. She's got Herbert. They're making moves. She is, like, so much more into the NFL than I've ever known. I mean, she's always been into it, but it is, like, next level now. I mean, I think it, it, when your team is more relevant, yeah. I think it makes you more interested. Uh, in by, by the way, you notice my first reaction when she said the Dolphins or the Jets are going to try to trade for Tyreek Hill. I'm like, ah! Like, I don't believe it. It's not going to happen. Like, I didn't – my first concern was not to get, go get the validity of the Jets possibly getting him. So, I'm like, that's not even believable. Sure. Well, I mean, the part of the story that threw me off was, I mean, I have alerts from every single outlet there is in the world. And so, every, you know, couple of hours, because I sleep with the phone. I, I I was having this conversation off the air with somebody. I sleep with the phone under my pillow. Like, because I, I you know, I, you can't miss things. And so – Sure you can. I mean, you can't, I guess. Yeah. But you you keep it there, and then you're, you're, the phone starts buzzing like crazy. You're like, oh, what's this? And, you, like, I think it was 844, if I believe the time, uh, about two hours after I went to bed today. Uh, I started seeing that this was going to happen. I was like, oh, my God, this is nuts. But, like, I, you, you will see alerts are really the only thing I see. They just go nuts on your phone, and it's every day. It, it's, you know, I was hearing 
Um, somebody just joked about this a little while ago of, well, who's who's tomorrow? Like, what's tomorrow's trade? Like, okay, we've moved on from Tyreek Tyreek Hill, a potential potentially you know division altering move today. It was tomorrow, though. We barely got to Devontae Adams doing his press conference, getting you know some of the reaction, playing the sound on the air. It was like uh, then a, you know another great receiver leaves the division, and Kansas City might be hobbled from it. We'll get to the Kansas City effect. We'll get to that in the five o'clock hour. A little college basketball coming back here. It's Cofield and Company live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. I told Derek, don't feel any pressure to force me the ball. Nothing. We don't have to try to please the media, please the you know anybody. Let's just go out there and do this thing like how we did before. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studios. Put together a pretty good uh, resume in college together. This ain't college, but we we still got that connection. So looking forward to putting it on display. A big couple of days for our Las Vegas Raiders as they add Devontae Adams. Adams there talking about his relationship going back to Fresno State with Derek Carr. And if you missed it this morning, Tyreek Hill sent out of the division. Chiefs not wanting to give him a Devontae Adams-like deal have traded him for five picks to the Miami Dolphins. One more breakdown on that. But we got the Sweet 16 coming up. Iowa State's going to be playing on Friday. TJ Altsberger, who was here for a couple of years, right to the Sweet 16 with Iowa State. Pretty amazing. Guy who played for Iowa State was a number four pick in the NBA draft. He's a local now. Marcus Pfizer Sr. is up with Steve and Adam here on this uh, Wednesday. What's up, sir? How's it going? Definitely a Las Vegas local now. We've been out here for quite a while, it seems. So we're loving it out here. Yeah, I was going to ask you on the football front, uh, were you a Saints guy, a Bears guy, or you a Raiders guy now? Uh, who do you root for? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Saints guy uh, by, you know, being hometown and everything. But uh, since we, this is our hometown now, definitely a Raiders guy. I said, you know, once, once they come here, definitely going to be rooting for them. And very excited about what they're doing in this offseason and uh, looking forward to getting into that, to that stadium. I, I I haven't in 20 years been to one NFL game, which is crazy because football is still and always will be my favorite sport. But uh, this year I definitely will be there. Interesting is your favorite sport. How, yeah, how yeah. good were you? Did you well, play? It's my, it's my first, yeah, it's my first love. I played football. I was a quarterback for um, for my dad's little um, like Pop Warner teams and stuff that we had. And, in between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, I grew from like five ten to six six. So, you know, coming from a small town in Louisiana, you know, it's when you're tall, you just play basketball. And had I known uh, NFL players with my size, I probably would have stuck with football. Um, I'm actually a better football player than I ever was basketball. But you know, once you once I turned to basketball and you know stayed with that, and by the time I got to Iowa State and I was seeing tight ends and defensive ends my size and my height. And I was like, whoa. But, you know, at that point, it was a little bit too late. I thought you were going to joke saying that you were seeing tight ends that were smaller than you. Oh, uh, I mean, one of, one of the guys that got recruited to play basketball and football at Iowa State, Andy Stinsrud at the time, uh, he was the same size and same height as I was. And uh, wow. I guess, you know, me playing basketball, he decided to just stay with football. So it worked out for us both. Yeah, Marcus Pfizer's 
with us, Marcus Pfizer Sr. And for folks who don't, you know, remember Marcus playing, not saying you're old because we're older, um, but <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you when you were playing, you were, you know, six eight, two hundred and sixty five pounds. I mean, you, you essentially you put on a little more weight. You're like Jonathan Ogden, who, by the way, is also a local now, former Raven <laughs> and now a, a Hall of Famer. So you were a you were a freaking immense guy. So you, you gotta you gotta give me your feeling on what Iowa State did this year. I mean, this is one of the best turnarounds in all of college basketball. Yeah, uh, TJ has done a great job there. Um, you know, last year, and like I said, I don't want to take away from anything that Steve Prom did for the university and for the organization. Um, he had a bad year last year um, to only win two games. You know, think that's definitely not a route that he or something that he foreseen. Um, so last year was was a trying year, and for TJ to go in and, and uh, get some some new guys in and some of the guys that were currently there. Uh, kind of shook their place up a little bit, and they started off uh, extremely hot this year. You know, twelve and zero, and then once you run into that book of what the Big Twelve is, you know, it, it kind of prepares you for the time and the situation. So once we get to the tournament, we know, like, okay, this is the competition we're going to be facing, and you know, we're getting rewards from that right now. So, how much of this did you? see happening we talked about the record last year not good obviously a lot of guys were brought in with talent this year and tj comes in but did you think the turnaround could happen this quickly no i don't i don't think tj you know foreseen that you know i i know what kind of coach he is and i know he's going to have them competing at a high level you know just from the way you know you practice and um your your game plan and things like that but to to start out the gates uh 12 and 0 you know beat some some key teams like Memphis earlier on um, was 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 key. Those, those type wins and being able to compete and win games like that really really builds the confidence uh, for a ball club. And um, you know having that fan base with what is uh, Hilton Magic behind you and I would say fan base. You know once they get behind you, you know you feel invincible. And the guys have done uh, extremely well this year. Extremely well. So you know you watch the season play out. Obviously the non conference went very very well. Conference play starts mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tough league. Yeah. And uh, some some trials and tribulations for the team. Uh, at what point, you know, did you start looking at it at the end of the year and say, you know what, this is a team that's not only good enough to be in that field; they can make a little bit of a run. Um, I, I I knew once Big Twelve started, and you know, it didn't start off too hot for us. Which, like like you said, it is. You know, we feel the toughest uh, basketball conference in the nation. But once they started to settle down, it was a couple of games here and there. Uh, we pulled out some that we were close in. Um, the Big 12 has, has represented extremely well in the in the NCAA tournament. I think we won Cincinnati the first round, and then uh, I think we only have two two teams that's out right now, which you know one is surprising being Baylor. Um, but no, TCU TCU lost, correct? Also, but um, you know it, it's just, it's a tough conference, and once they begin to settle down and start playing some close games and start winning some of those close games, and you know trying to fight through that conference, I knew once we got to, you know, the biggest tournament, it was going to be um, something that we will have a lot of a lot of favor in. To, to go in as an underdog, to be a to see, but being a lot better team than that, understanding, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs in the, in the conference that got us that seeding. But, you know, we're seeding pretty pretty good right now. To be in a Sweet 16 for the first time in a while, that's, that's pretty handsome to me. Iowa State in the Sweet 16, former Iowa State player, former Cyclone, Marcus Pfizer Jr. is, uh, check that, senior. Junior's in town, too. We'll get to junior in a couple minutes, but uh, senior's on the horn with us right now. W- what do you think happened to Otzelberger here? He was good, not great. He finished 29-30 and 30 last year. Obviously, he was hurt by COVID. What do you think happened to him at Vegas, and could he have succeeded in Vegas? 
Um, I, I, th- I definitely think he could have succeeded in Vegas. Uh, it, it could be a combination of things. You, you really can't tell. Um, you know, with with the Iowa State job coming up, he said that's always been his dream job. And, you know, when it became available, you know, it's just something that he felt like him and his family uh, had the opportunity to take. And, you know, he he jumped on that opportunity. And uh, it seems like it was a good decision. But with the, with the talent and, and what UNLV is getting back to, because a lot of people forget, you know, the heritage and everything that that's with that program. Um, but it's getting back there. So I definitely feel like he would have had some success. It would have taken a few years. I think he felt like Iowa State would have taken a few years as well. But, uh, you know, with a couple key transfers and, um, you know, with the uh, sensational freshman that we have there in Hunter, you know, they came in and, and they responded, you know, extremely well. And, you know, they're definitely reaping the benefits for from it now. Do you think kids in Vegas still want to consider UNLV? I think they should. I think they should. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an AAU coach here with the Las Vegas Punishers. Um, you know, the coaching staff at uh, Coronado High School, where Marcus Jr. goes to school. And, you know, I talk to them about that all the time. I say, you know, you, you need to understand the, the heritage and, and what went on at, at this university. You know, not a lot of the universities won a national championship. And you got to think about that. You know, I've known about UNLV since I was a kid. You know, I grew up on the same street as uh, um, Anderson Hunt in, uh, back in Detroit. You know, my brother knew him and his whole family, and, and our families know each other. So I knew about UNLV since I was a little kid. And, and um Kids don't understand that. Kids don't understand how how much they pre- competed here with Coach Tark and the legendary uh, legacy that that he left here. And once they start to understand, you don't have to leave the state in order to have a successful career. And we got pros that's in the NBA right now uh, from playing a year or two at UNLV. And we had some guys that was on the team this year that plays extremely well. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert is a kid that's from here. Absolutely love him. I, I've been knowing him since he was in the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and he's always had that fire inside of his belly to where he wanted to compete. And he's, he's one of the ones that's there to show these kids, you can come here and you can have a great career and, you know, do something for yourself. And you're right. The, uh, the, the rice era actually did produce a lot of uh, professional players who've gone right, on to have right. pretty good careers. You know, Derek Jones Jr. Right. And Chris Wood got his payday and Ken Burks has been in the league now for a long yeah. time and got his second contract. So uh, it's certainly not too small to, you know, come here and then make it, you know, to the pros and get a pro career. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, if you're a pro, they will find you uh, yep. regardless. It, it doesn't matter where you play. Um, if that's your aspiration and your dreams to make you there, once you put that product out on the floor, they will come find you. But, you know, this is a place where you can have some success and you can compete at a high level. Uh, you can win a conference championship and you can move on to the U- the NCAA uh, tournament and make some noise there. So, I definitely talk to them about that, uh, to my players all the time about that. Don't look, don't overlook this place trying to think the grass is greener somewhere else um, because you definitely have the opportunity to, to do that here as well. What kind of season did your son have? I saw that he was like second team all Southern Nevada in the uh, the mm-hmm. local paper. So how did he do this year? I, he did okay. Um, he, he could have done a lot better. You know, that, that's <laughs> some of the deficiencies and things that he has in his game we're working on it right now. Um, you know, even today, you know, he decided to uh, opt out of the uh, the pain goes sh- showcase thing that they that they have going on. He told that that you know I want to you know go work out and want to train. I want to you know better my game. I want to get stronger. I want to do some things to have a better season than I had last year. And so I totally respect that. Um, to to have him say something to me about that because I've been asking him all day. You know, are you ready for 
before the showcase or you gonna, what you're going to do? And he told me, you know, I don't want to go tonight. I just want to train and, you know, get better. And huh. so I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to, you know, helping him uh, reach that, reach that next, uh, level that he needs to in his game, and uh, we're just going to go from there. Hey, last one, really important uh, news that came out. It looks like Adidas is going to launch a name image likeness program for all of their Division One college athletes at Adidas affiliated schools. That yeah. is a game changer. I mean, I think there's always been money available, but now it's above board. This is going to be crazy. It's, it's going to be phenomenal for the student athletes. Um, you know, without a doubt, they. You know, we all know the student athletes generate so much money, no matter what the sport is for uh, the NCAA. And and you know, um, they fought for so long, uh, even with the old Bannon uh, did with with the uh, lawsuit and everything. They fought for so long in order for um, the kids to get to the place right now that they're in. And and even even if you have the aspirations to be pros. Now that makes them more attractive to even, you know, get that college experience, you know, get that education because you're student athlete first and understand that, you know, having that experience, you can make a, a living and still do the things that you love to do and not have to feel like, you know, you're rushing to the next level. Um, and like you said, that's a, that's a total game changer. Now, it doesn't matter, you know, how much it is. If it's $1,500 a kid, you know, that's, I remember when we were in school, it was $1,500 for a semester for a Pell Grant, and we felt like we were rich, <laughs> you know, to have the NIL that's going on right now um, for whatever level it is for the student-athletes is phenomenal. Marcus, you mentioned uh, doing some coaching. What is your demeanor on the sidelines? I'll tell you this. Watching your career, watching you as a player, I was always, like, terrified. I was like, you are a scary dude. What, what, do, you like <laughs> on the si- what do you like on the sidelines? Well, it, it, it can get that way. One of the things, and I'm glad you missed that, people always tell me who – who know me and have gotten to know me off the court, man, you're so much different than what I, I thought you were <laughs> by seeing you on the court. And and I always tell them, listen, you know, I know my skill and my talent and all of that different stuff. I'm not as, as good as whoever else X, Y, and Z that can play and not focus. I have to focus from the tip to the end of the game. And then after the game, we, you know, we can have fun and be relaxed and everything like that. So, uh, for me, coaching is the exact same way. I must focus on on the things that I got to do to be, you know, focused and locked in in, in that moment. I have the the most um, the most hardest headaches during the, during the game when I'm coaching and everything like that because it's just the level of focusness that I'm at. I'm a little hard on the referees, a little bit more harder than I should be, but that's just the competitive nature. Um, I love to compete. I hate to be cheated. It, it, you know, I can take losing. I don't like losing, but I can take losing, but in a proper way. If I feel like I'm being cheated, then you know it's going to be something that is that's going to the fire, the fiery side is going to come out. But I mean, it's the exact same way. If you see me coaching on the sideline, you know, like this guy's kind of kind of big and menacing. But when that is all over again, I'm, I'm soft as cotton. <laughs> Marcus, we appreciate a couple minutes on short notice. Thank you so much, and uh, good no luck problem, to your guys. Cyclones and the Sweet Sixteen. Having. Okay, Thanks, we'll man. see you. Yes, sir. There he is. Marcus Pfizer, senior, uh, Vegas resident. His son plays here at Coronado, 6'4", uh, junior prospect. That was a good question. He's an intimidating guy. Yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, when he played, he was 6'8", 260 pounds. I haven't seen him lately, but if he's bigger than he was, I mean, you're talking like friggin' John Thompson size, <laughs> yeah. you know? He had a great career. He had a really good career. And I like the way he spun the Adidas thing into a positive for the students. Uh, I would assume every now the the other big two 
shoemakers, providers, backers of uh, college athletes, they're going to have to do the same thing. This is going to be nuts. So Adidas going above board and they're like, NIL for everybody. Let's do it. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.